The New Orleans Saints did a great job in the 2023 NFL Draft addressing some of their needs, but I don't think they're quite done yet. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss a daily episode because we are here with you every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then some. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter for the New Orleans Saints over at Saints News Network, the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me Tuesdays on Locked on NFL and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And on today's episode, our first on this Wednesday, we'll have another live show later on this evening over at the Locked on Saints YouTube page. But today's episode, we're going to take a look at answering some of the questions from last night's live stream where we broke down Isaiah Foskey's fit with the Saints. And we'll start with a big question. Who's been drafting better? Dennis Allen in his early years as the New Orleans Saints head coach or Sean Payton? We'll take a look at that. We'll also break down fronts and alignments over on the defensive side so we can kind of put some definitions to the verbiage and phrases that we've been using as we've been breaking down the Saints defensive linemen in this class for our midweek fundamental segment. But to start us off today, I want to take a look at three more players that the New Orleans Saints can add, because I think that they did a good job in the NFL draft addressing a bunch of needs, defensive line, defensive, uh, both on the interior and on the edge, offensive interior, running back, wide receiver. They did a really good job addressing a bunch of stuff, but there's still some spots where there are holes where they could still get some work done and probably need to get some work done. So we're going to go over three players the Saints could add, and we'll have a little bit of land yet for you in there as well. So I want to start off with the three players the Saints can add, because they need a lot of help still in a couple of spots. And the first place where I think they could still use some help, even with the draft pick of Isaiah Foskey and as much confidence as maybe we have in his ability to be able to translate to the NFL, I still think another veteran pass rusher would be helpful, along with guys like Cam Jordan and Tano Passanio. Outside of them, you've got a bunch of young guys that are at the position. And if you consider how much the Saints lost in terms of sacks last year, 14 and a half plus the two, three and a half that you had from Catavia uh, Street, so you're somewhere around 17, 16, 17 sacks that you lost that departed over the course of the offseason that you're looking to replenish. If you expect from Isaiah Foskey, you're going to get something like five to seven sacks. That's great if you can get that his rookie season. But just in case, having a veteran pass rusher that's a proven pass rusher could be a good idea. And there's a good one out on the market in Yannick Ngakwe. Yannick Ngakwe has had eight sacks at least in every single season of his NFL career. And it doesn't matter what scheme he's playing in, what system he's a part of, what team he's with, what jersey he's wearing, where he's rushing from, who he's rushing against. This guy has always found a way to get to the quarterback. Now, to be fair, in a lot of cases when he gets to the quarterback, it's been situations where his team is in the lead and the quarterback on the opposite side is on a third and 10 and he's scrambling around and trying to make something happen and Yannick Ngakwe gets home. But that's okay. Like you still will take those sacks because some of those were, you can use that same description to describe some of the 17, 16, 17 sacks that departed from the Saints defense 
this offseason. So if you can get a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, who's a proven producer as an edge rusher, and have him in concert with two guys that are proven producers at edge rusher in Cam Jordan, who's had seven and a half sacks every single season since 2012. And of course, Isaiah Foskey, who's coming into the New Orleans Saints as Notre Dame's career sack leader with 26 and a half. That's a good formula for you to have. Because oftentimes, too, we, we talk a lot about who are the guys that are rotating opposite Cam Jordan. But the fact of the matter, too, is that Cam Jordan has been playing probably around 75 to 80 percent of snaps per season. So that means that someone else is rotating in in place of Cam Jordan for at least 20 percent of snaps throughout a season. So if you can get somebody that's proven that could be part of that rotation as well, it's just as valuable for you when you have Cam Jordan catching his breath and then you have somebody else on the field that's producing and able to produce in his place. So I think Yannick Ngakwe would be a great addition to this New Orleans Saints defense. The other position that I look at that stays over on the defensive side actually stays on the defensive line, and it's with the defensive interior. That is now um, a place where they've gotten better but it's still really young. Colin Saunders, Nathan Shepard, Brian Brzee, who they just drafted, uh, Malcolm Roach, Prince Amelie. These are all young guys. So you could use maybe a veteran leader in that room. So that brings me to longtime defensive tackle, veteran defensive tackle, Shelby Harris. Shelby Harris is not the most productive player as a pass rusher on the interior. Also not necessarily his gig. He does have 24 and a half sacks in his career. He had six sacks just two years ago that tied him for his career high. He had just two sacks with Seattle last year, despite playing in 15 games. But he also has had 40 tackles for a loss throughout his career, and he's a consistent tackler with 200 being in on 261 career tackles. So you see that the numbers of production are there, like any veteran defensive lineman. But the thing that I think that he adds for you is that he gives you somebody that's a good run defender. He gives you somebody that can be disruptive in the pass game, but he also just gives you the guy that's in the interior that knows more than everybody else and that has experience and familiarity with the coaching staff. Shelby Harris is one of those guys that was in at the time Oakland with the Raiders in 2014 when Dennis Allen was there, same year that they drafted um, that they drafted uh, Derek Carr. Then he left from Oakland. He went to Denver for the next couple of years where he worked with Joe Woods, who was both uh, secondary coach for a little while, and then he moved over to being defensive uh, coordinator there in Denver. And so you have the connections, just like we've seen with other players that the Saints have brought in, where the connections are. Derek Carr, of course, being a big highlight of that. So could they have that same type of connection with Shelby Harris, who the Seattle Seahawks you know, openly said that they were considering bringing back, but then just like didn't. And so now he's over on the market, and he's going to be one of those post-compensatory period free agency guys that could be a benefit for the New Orleans Saints. And finally, out of our big three here, this one's not a signing but I'm still on the go and trade for Hunter Renfro train when it comes to the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders may have already replaced Hunter Renfro in their lineup. They grabbed one of the guys that is a quintessential slot only receiver in, uh, in, in this year's NFL draft in Trey Tucker out of Cincinnati. Trey Tucker's five foot nine, 180 pounds. He's one of those guys that's got really strong hands that you can trust over the middle. He's explosive. He can create in space, all those things. But he's a slot. He's a slot receiver. And that's Hunter Renfro's role. That's his whole career is being a slot receiver. And so if you're the Las Vegas Raiders who had already had all of these sort of rumors dangling around, um, you know, who are are they? Are they going to trade Hunter Renfro before the guarantees set in? Oh, they might still trade Hunter Renfro after the guarantees have set in and all this stuff. Now they go out and they draft Trey Tucker and it kind of makes you go, like, oh, OK, so there's still a chance that Hunter Renfro gets moved. And I think the Saints could still benefit from that. Look, you still don't have a pure slot receiver on this team. 
you have guys that you can shoehorn into the slot, Trey, uh, Traquan Smith, you might be able to, to put uh, uh, Rashid Jaheed there, but I like the idea of being able to put Rashid Jaheed anywhere. So it doesn't matter if you go out and you add a guy like Hunter Renfro. It doesn't keep Rashid Jaheed off the field. That would just be foolish. The New Orleans Saints are going to utilize their weapons when they want to utilize their weapons and everything's going to be matchup based. But if you want to have something that's going to be a little bit more of a core for you, having Michael Thomas on one side, Chris Olave on the other side, Hunter Renfro in the slot, that's quintessential football. That's quintessential 11 personnel for you. So that would be a really solid situation. And now you're just trading future draft picks at this point. And I think with that, you're pretty good. And look, there's some other players that the Saints could potentially trade too. I hear that Oakland needs some help with their secondary. How confident are they in a guy like Jordan Howden or Ugo Amadi to be able to step into the slot, even Lonnie Johnson Jr.? Because if they're confident in those guys, maybe Bradley Roby becomes somebody that could be a trade chip for you. So there's some opportunities here for the Saints to be able to make a move for a guy like Hunter Renfro. And I do think that that is still a move that's worth making that can help the New Orleans Saints offense and won't keep players off the field because that's just not how football works. Couple of little bit of land yet for you, as we always promise, as we after we get through our big three. Tight end, linebacker, absolutely still spots where the New Orleans Saints need to address. Linebacker, you're kind of just hoping that the guys in-house are going to be able to help you out. How does DeMarco Jackson, does he come back from injured reserve over the course of training camp? How does he develop? Can Nick Anderson and Anthony Orgee, the two guys they brought in as UDFAs at the position, can they end up having an impact? So those are really the ones that you're watching there at the linebacker spot. But maybe there's some veteran free agency linebackers that become available or that become available for trade because of the draft, or is that a spot that the Saints look at addressing when everybody's shedding their rosters during roster cuts time and potentially could make a trade for or even sign after those players are released? The last thing to look at is tight end, but we've been over that a a whole ton, so I didn't want to spend a ton of time on it. But guys like Cameron Brait from across the division makes sense, as well as a guy, of course, like Foster Moreau, depending upon what his health and, and, and everything looks like. So those are some of the other spots that you're absolutely looking at the Saints to potentially continue to address where they did address a ton in the NFL draft and still can, as we just discussed in free agency, is on the defensive line. So let's break down some of the things that we've been discussing. Fronts, alignments, how do these players, how are they aligned on the field? Where do they attack from? And why it's so important that the guys that the Saints brought in so far this offseason have been scheme versatile. We're going to break all that down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode of Locked on Saints, brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. You want in on the NFL early futures, like you like the Saints being a a fifth-ranked team in terms of odds at plus 1,400 to win the conference. Maybe you like their odds as the favorites in the NFC South at plus 125, but not far enough separated from teams like the Atlanta Falcons at plus 300. The Carolina Panthers right there as well at plus 330. Maybe you like some of those odds as well, as well as the rest of what's going on across the NFL. So if you want to check all of that out, you can head over to FanDuel.com today uh, and you can check out the Sportsbook. You can also download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's free, super safe, super easy to use. Literally have it open right now. Like that's where I'm looking at the odds as I'm going through. So you can see all that right there. Oh, you can see my ring light and everything too. But you got all that there. Uh, They've got Rookie of the year odds are already up, offensive and defensive. No Saints really on that list uh, in terms of, of, of top odds and stuff like that, but a whole bunch that you can get in on USFL as the New Orleans Breakers go along. There's a ton. So make sure you go and check them out today. FanDuel, uh, number one sportsbook in America. And don't forget to check out FanDuel.com slash locked on if you're a new customer because you're going to get that no sweat first bet of up to $1,000, which will come back to you in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get in on that no sweat first bet. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, our first of the day. We're continuing on with our two-a-days here post-draft. Later on tonight, we'll have a live episode of Locked on Saints over at the Locked on Saints YouTube page. And we'll grab the audio and then publish it up on all of the uh, non-video platforms as well. Don't worry. But that one's going to be all about breaking down uh, the fit for running back Kendra Miller out of TCU, how he impacts the Saints in the near future, as well as in the uh, long term. So we'll get through all of that. But the other thing that we're going to be looking at uh, today is going to be our midweek fundamentals. This is what we do every Wednesday over the course of the offseason. We just try to become smarter football fans. Like that's that's basically what this is. But we do it with Saints terms and look at it the way that the New Orleans Saints would. So what we're going to be looking at today are fronts and alignments. So fronts is effectively like what the collective defensive line is doing. Alignments is where the individual defensive linemen are lined up. Now, you'll notice too that when we're talking about fronts, you'll see a lot of linebackers that are involved in this. So consider this more of a front seven thing and in the alignments a little bit more specific to the defensive line. Right, so I'm going to start with the alignments because that sort of gives us the base vocabulary for what we need as we look at the fronts. So if you're watching over on the YouTube side, I'm going to have some um, visual stuff for you. If you're listening in, don't worry. We've, we've done this before. We'll go over it um, in detail uh, as well. So we're going to start off here with the defensive technique alignment. So this is just the basic kind of look at the uh, offensive line and then where the defensive linemen are standing and how that sort of factors into fronts, alignments, techniques, stuff like that. So you're going to hear things like like nose tackle, one tech, three tech, five tech. You've heard us talk about this kind of stuff on the show a ton before. So basically the idea is that the number starts out at zero, right nose to nose with the center. So imagine yourself being a defensive tackle and your job is to line up and stare the center in the face and then either do what's called a two gap scheme, which is that you're attacking either to the left or to the right of that of that um, of that center, the over the shoulder of that center, in between the center and the guard, is called the one tech. That's where you're lining up. Maybe if you're in a an even front defense with four down linemen, you'll see usually one defensive tackle right inside the center, and then one. Uh, defensive tackle between the guard and tackle, which puts them in what's called a three technique. So it basically just kind of counts out, right? Zero, one, and then you get to some interesting things. Two I is over the inside shoulder of the guard. Two is nose to nose with the guard. Three is over the uh, outside shoulder of the guard. Then you get to the tackle, same principle. Uh, four I is inside, is the inside shoulder of the tackle. Four is the nose to nose the tackle. Five is outside the tackle. And then if you consider a tight end over on the outside, this is where it gets a little weird. It doesn't go straight to six. It actually goes to seven on the inside shoulder of the tight end. Then it goes to six over the nose of the tight end. And then it goes to nine, which is outside of the tight end. There's just no eight. And seven, six, and nine are are not in order. So sorry about that. I don't know why it's like that. I, I could do a little bit more research and bring that back to you another time. But that's the way that defensive line techniques work out. So when you hear people talking about, okay, this person is a quintessential attacking three tech, like what we talk about with Brian Brzee all the time. What we're really saying is that he's the guy that you line up in between the guard and the tackle and you let him go to work. He's your pass rusher. But your run stopping uh, defensive tackle might be a one tech where he's lining up over the shoulder, one of the shoulders either or because it counts out from zero to nine to the left, zero to nine to the right, just mirrors one another. So one tech is lining up over either shoulder of the uh, of the center so that your 
in run stopping position, right? You're trying to protect what's called the A gap. So the gap in between the center and guard is the A gap. The gap in between the guard and tackle is the B gap. And the gap in between the tackle and the tight end is the C gap. So you're, you'll see a lot of A gap runs, those power runs that go right up the middle. Your one tech is there to stop that. Same thing with your zero tech or your nose tackle. You hear those things uh, used interchangeably. So that's where techniques and gaps come into play. Now let's take a look at some of the uh, at some of the fronts that you'll see in the NFL. So you'll see even fronts and odd fronts. Even fronts just means that there's an even number of players on the defensive line. Oftentimes, it's referring to your standard four down lineman set. An odd front would be your standard three down lineman set. You can find other odd fronts like five down linemen when it comes to goal line situations and stuff like that. But usually that's not what they're referring to. They're oftentimes referring to even front four, odd front three. But there's other fronts, like what you're seeing on the screen here, and what I'll explain to you here in just a moment, is called the Oki front. So an Oki front has three down linemen. This one's got two ends and then a nose tackle right in the middle. So think of it as you would imagine, like on Madden, a 3-4 defense, three down linemen, and then you know four linebackers. But it's not necessary that it's four linebackers. It could be some safety, stuff like that. Doesn't matter. The thing that you're, consider, that you're really paying attention to here, and when you're thinking about the New Orleans Saints offense, or defense rather, is three down linemen with a safety on either side of the ends. So that gives you five that are effectively on the defensive line. And then you'll see the two linebackers creep up in between or on either side of the defensive tackle in the middle, the nose tackle. So that gives you effectively seven players on the defensive line. And sometimes, especially when it comes to the New Orleans Saints, you'll see those defensive linemen drop back into coverage or you'll see them rush the passer. You'll see those safeties drop back into coverage or rush the passer. You'll see those linebackers drop back into coverage or rush the passer. They'll do whatever based upon what either the play call is or based upon what their own play call is, right? Or what they're responding to. So that one, you'll see seven players actually down on the defensive line in the New Orleans Saints system, three defensive linemen, two linebackers that are what Deuce Windham over at Hudak Confessional would call sugaring the A-gap or threatening the A-gap, and then two safeties over to the outside. That's usually what you'll see in the New Orleans Saints defense. So an example of that would be, let's say in 2023, looking ahead, Maybe you've got Isaiah Foskey and Cam Jordan over on the ends. You've got Colin Saunders, the big nose tackle right in the middle. Uh, Tyron Matthew creeps down to one side of the line. Uh, your, let's say your slot safety, let's say it's Jordan Howden creeps down to the opposite side of the line. And then Pete Werner and uh, Demario Davis are kind of sugaring that A-gap. They're threatening that A-gap. And any combination of those players might blitz, rush the passer, or drop back into coverage. That's what makes it tricky. The reason why I highlight this is because this is one of the fronts that Brian Brzee mentioned that he's played in, in Clemson, because Clemson does this, uses this front a lot. Another one that came up in that conversation, and our last one that we'll look at today, is the bear front. So the bear front's a little bit different. Um, you could actually see the bear front with four linemen or with three linemen. We're going to use the three linemen look because that's kind of what is usually the case. Uh, but really what you're looking at here are just more players on the line of scrimmage. And 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 usually you're looking at five with a safety that's on the outside. So you could call it six, but it's usually like five is kind of the big identifier. So you'll have the two defensive ends on either side. You have the nose tackle in the middle, just like we described with the Oki front. And then instead of maybe having two safeties come up to either side of the ends, it might be two linebackers that come up to either side of the ends. The Saints did this a lot with Pete Werner or Demario Davis and Caden Ellis, where they had three down linemen. Caden Ellis was coming down as a stand-up blitzer from one side, and then there was another linebacker that was standing up from the other side, and then there was a safety that was matching up on the strong side of the offense on either one of those sides. So you might see six players that are effectively on the defensive line, 
or five players that are effectively on the defensive line. So this is just an overload kind of situation to where you want to bring a little bit more pressure or you want to show pressure on a rundown that you feel like the team could pass in. Like there's a lot of good reasons to use something like this because those linebackers are athletic enough to make the make the stop in the run game, but they're also athletic enough if you ask them to blitz, if there's not a handoff, that they can get after the quarterback. This is a spot where Caden Ellis saw a lot of success last year. So with that, you might think in 2023 that what you're seeing is Isaiah Foskey, Cam Jordan on the ends, maybe Carl Granderson's mixed in there, Colin Saunders is your nose tackle, and then maybe you swing in a um, you know, a Zach Bond on one side. And then look, if, you know, Pete Werner, you know, develops as a blitzer, then you put him on the other side, or you see Demario Davis on one side, you know, Demario Davis is an incredibly effective blitzer, although they didn't blitz him a ton last year, they just used him really effectively. These are the types of fronts that allow those linebackers from the second level to quickly get after the quarterback and expose some of what the, um, what the defense or what the offense is struggling with. And especially in these where you have the nose tackle right in front. That guard has to guess, is he coming to my left shoulder? Is he coming to my right shoulder? Is he, is, he, is he just trying to blow right through me? Like what's going on here? And so all of those things end up creating hesitation on the defensive line, which can work, or excuse me, on the offensive line, which can work to the favor of the defensive line. So it's our midweek fundamentals today, fronts, alignments. We even got into gaps a little bit in this one as well. We'll see what we're going to, let me think about where we're going to dive into next week. I think we'll dive into coverages, but we'll see what we dive into next week. But if you have any further questions, always feel free to reach out to me at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. Coming up next. Getting to your questions from last night's live stream. And we'll start off with a big question. Who's drafting better right now? Is it is it Dennis Allen or is it Sean Payton? We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it. Who that nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with your questions from last night's Locked on Saints live stream. We broke down Isaiah Foskey and his defensive fit. If you haven't caught that, you can go back to the last episode. It's waiting there for you. The episodes never go anywhere. All right, so let's start with uh, the big one of the, my my favorite questions. I think here this is a game from Skylife Enterprise on YouTube who asks, um, "Who drafts better, Peyton or Allen?" So if we look at twenty twenty three, the Denver Broncos kind of immediately did the thing that Sean Payton teams do. I mean, you look at the past few years, Denver Broncos have selected one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players, ten players. Um, this is six players from 2019. They drafted another 10 players in 2018. They drafted eight players in 2017. And all of a sudden, Sean Payton shows up in 2023. And what do they do? A team that was atrocious last year. Uh, they drafted uh, five players. So this is pretty consistent with what we've seen Sean Payton teams do. And what we should remember, too, is that like these, this isn't just Sean Payton. The Saints draft isn't just Dennis Allen. It's Jeff Ireland, it's their staff, it's the scouting staff, it's Mickey Loomis, it's the general managers, it's all that, right? Like the it's not just one person making all those decisions. But when you look at the Saint with look at the Broncos draft, Marvin Mims, a, a second round wide receiver, Drew Sanders, a third round linebacker that's effectively like the third round version of Caden Ellis, the 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 in-game version of Caden Ellis, if you will. Riley Moss, the really versatile and athletic safety out of uh out of uh, Iowa, they bring in safety JL Skinner, and then they bring in the center Alex Forsyth out of Oregon. And so, uh, you know, it feels like a pretty standard Sean Payton draft: a wide receiver, a non, you know, a, a non couple of non premier positions like center as well as linebacker uh, and safety, and then you get a you get a DB over on the outside and high athletic marks for all of these folks. But what I will say, and that's just looking at 2023, like I think that the Saints draft is effectively better, 
but maybe, you know, the, the Broncos draft might feel a little bit more exciting because of some of those players and the athleticism that they bring. But the interesting thing is like when you look at Dennis Allen's Saints drafts, which we only have two years, not, you know, we'll have to figure out, we'll have to see more than what we, in order for us to really be able to answer this question. But Dennis Allen's two drafts have brought a lot of hope. I mean, Chris Olave, Trevor Penning, Alante Taylor, and what he proved to be, people are still really excited to see who and what DeMarco Jackson can be. Then you look at this year's class with Brzee, but particularly guys like Isaiah Foskey and Kendra Miller and A.T. Perry. And, you know, there's a lot of these guys that are really exciting. So I think that like Dennis Allen's draft classes have brought a lot of excitement to New Orleans. And I think that New Orleans got excited about every draft class after 2017 because of how good 2017 was. And there was always kind of this hope of like, oh, okay, well, it's just, it's going to work. It's, they're going it, to, it's going to happen again. Like 2017, that's not a fluke. Like they're just going to keep getting those offensive rookie of the years, those defensive rookie of the years. And haven't really met that. Didn't meet that in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021 uh, in, in Sean Payton's drafts. And, and, but did get some effective players throughout those years. I mean, look at Cesar Ruiz, who had a huge turnaround last year. Look at, uh, you know, uh, some of the other guys that they've, they've brought in since then, including like Caden Ellis, for instance. And I know he's gone now, but, but, you know, you know what I'm getting at. And so I think it, it's early to say who drafts better, but I will say like Dennis Allen's off to a really good start in terms of what the team is selecting and what he's been a part of. We, we got to remember that it's not just Dennis Allen. It's not just Sean Payton. Those guys don't make the decisions, but, they're a big part of the decision. There's absolutely no doubt about that. So we'll have to see. But hey, good start so far for Dennis Allen. All right, let's go to um, Paulie Rocky Horror, who asks, uh, any idea what the character concerns may have been around wide receiver A.T. Perry? Obviously, the Saints aren't concerned. No, the Saints clearly aren't concerned because not only did they trade up to get him, but they traded a whole player away to get him, even though that player had asked for a trade. But yeah, I don't know. Like he told us, he said, uh, we were speaking to him on Zoom and he was like, yeah, you know, I, t- I fell a little bit. And then I asked him, do you know why it is? that you fell a little bit? Did you hear anything about it? And he said, I don't know. They said it was like character stuff or something like that, which really confused me is, is, is the sentence that he said. And so I don't know. And we asked a bunch of people. We asked Notre Dame people. We are not Notre Dame people. Sorry. We asked Wake Forest people. We asked ACC people. We've asked around and can't really get anything. So the thing that AT highlighted a bunch was that like, look, I'm a quiet guy, but when I get out on the field, like I love what I do. I'm smiling. I'm having a good time. Like I love football. And so I wonder if there's something about like his demeanor being sort of this calm, cool, quiet guy, kind of Marcus Colston-like, if you will, just in terms of demeanor, if maybe today's NFL saw that as a negative and was worried that he wasn't as passionate about the game. That's a thing that NFL teams worry about. It's not a thing that the New Orleans Saints worry about because it's hard not to be passionate about the game in this city. And also, um, look, they found success with this style of guy before. So I don't think it's anything to be concerned about with the information that we have now. Please don't come at me if something big drops eventually with what we have right now. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Let's get to, uh, DJ Avignon who asked, uh, does he, does, uh, Isaiah Foskey automatically fill in Marcus Davenport's role and style of play? I think he does. I think that like everything that Marcus Davenport did Isaiah Foskey is going to be expected to do and probably more like the idea of how much further along he is in his development and all that. I think that ends up having a big, uh, big impact. So I do think Foskey slips into sort of that Davenport role in terms of him being a third down, you know, situational, not necessarily a situational pass rusher, but a guy they really trust in those situations. Let's put it that way. Uh, it's Poppy 504 asks, do you think that Isaiah Foskey can continue his double digit sack streak in the NFL? I think he might be able to get there. I wouldn't expect it his rookie season. I'm saying like five to seven sacks his rookie season. If he goes beyond that, absolutely fantastic. 
King Troll wants to know, when will the NFL release the schedule? Well, it seems that May 11th is the day that the NFL is looking forward to. Don't worry, we'll be live with you right after the schedule comes out. We'll take a look at every single game, when it's scheduled, where it's going to be, all of that. We know the opponents, we know who's home, we know who's away, but we don't know the order of the schedule yet, where the bye week is. We'll break all that down, but May 11th should be the day. And finally, we'll get to uh, Trevane Andrews, who asked, uh, how do you feel about Anthony Johnson making the team? So Anthony Johnson is the um, corner or is the defensive back that they brought in from, I believe it's Virginia. There's one Anthony Johnson from Virginia. He's a corner. That's who the Saints brought in. There's another Anthony Johnson who's a defensive back that is a that's from Iowa State. So I just want to make sure I'm talking about the right one here. But yes, Anthony Johnson out of Virginia. I think he could. Corner is a spot that has a lot of, that that needs a lot of depth, but they also have a lot of names already. I mean, guys like Marcus Davenport, Paulson, Debo Alante, Taylor, of course, are at the top of that list. But then you look at, you know, guys like Bradley Roby, you look at bringing in a guy like Lonnie Johnson, who plays all over the place. You've got Troy Pride Jr. now in the building, you know, so you have a lot of these guys that can be there. But look, I mean, there's a spot, there's still a spot, depending upon how many players they keep at the position and all that. I think Anthony Johnson is a shoe in for the practice squad, at least. We'll see if he makes, we'll see if he ends up making, um, you know, the 53 man roster. All right. That's going to do it for today's Locked on Saints or this morning's Locked on Saints. Come back tonight over on Locked on Saints YouTube page. We're going to be breaking down Kendra Miller live as well as his fit with the New Orleans Saints in the near and long-term future. Got that coming up for you on the next episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always for making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.